Hello, my cosmic crew, and welcome back to another episode of Starstruck Radio. My name is Rena Sengupta. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm your go to astrologer for all of the technical pieces, but also factoring in the human side, the human experience of these transits, because it really is my belief that. Each astrological transit is like an energetic activation for our evolution. And these astrological transits, they're supposed to be a little challenging. They're supposed to ruffle a few feathers because it's through that challenge, it's through that uplifting that we actually evolve. Of course, that evolution requires our conscious engagement, the inner work, and really striving towards the sense of alignment but when we can do the conscious engagement and the inner work alongside these astrological transits our evolution is what you have to look forward to and that's why i named this community starstruck astrology because when you're truly connected in with your chart and your transits and your astrology there is just this glow that exudes from you it's your authentic vibrancy that is unmatched when i see people aligned with their charts it is just an unmatched experience and that's how i want every single one of you to be and to feel after listening so if you're coming back if you've been a listener from the beginning i'm so happy to have you thank you for tuning in if you're a new listener welcome i'm so excited for you to get more connected with the weekly updates of astrology just a little like drop in of my current landscape i don't know if you can all hear in my voice but i'm getting over a little sickness so i apologize for any stuffiness on the mic But other than that, I'm recording this in my room, in candlelight, on the full moon night, the full moon in Sagittarius. And it feels like a really beautiful homecoming to be recording in this way because I feel like the last few weeks have just been such an energetic upheaval. And the more I reflect, the more I think it really relates to Pluto going retrograde in Aquarius. Like the amount of inner work that has just felt so high potential and so in the quantum realm. (laughs) The amount of inner work that has been of that nature since Pluto went into Aquarius has been almost unbelievable. And I feel like this full moon in Sagittarius is the first time since Pluto went retrograde in in Aquarius, I believe it was May 1st. Let me double check that date. But this is the first time where I actually feel like fully dropped into my body. Fully dropped in of like, I don't know how to explain it. Like in the here and now and with myself. And when Pluto first went retrograde in Aquarius, I just double checked it was on May 1st. There was just this almost domino effect of energy. If I just felt like there were so many portals that were open and it was just up to me to be willing to play with them and to be willing to take the risks and to be willing to alchemize my own sense of self. And after a week or so of that, then I just felt like I almost got lost in the sauce of 
pushing into these new growth edges. Because with Aquarius being an air sign, it's almost like as we push into the growth edges there, the edges are so much of an illusion that then it's just like, I felt like I was in a sea of illusions within my own self. And it got very hard to navigate when it was time to roll forward with something because I was willing to transform and willing to play and when I was truly pushing forward with something because I was shaming myself and shutting my body down and I think that's a huge lesson that as we work in these next decades with Pluto and Aquarius and all the retrogrades of Pluto and Aquarius that will come with that that's something that we will have to navigate of you know, when we're when we're pouring our hearts into something for the collective, when do we still need to to catch and and hold space for our individual, for our individual needs, even when we're pouring into something with so much potential and even when we're working with energy that is so quantum. So I feel like when Pluto first went retrograde in Aquarius, I had just like this domino opening of portals that required a lot of trust, but I was also ready to dig in. And then I kind of got lost in the sauce. And then I obviously got sick. And it was like my body, my my energy, my body being like, whoa, we got to come back to center. That was enough play in the quantum. Like we need to, we need to stay, we need to stay here in this embodied experience. That's what we've chosen for this moment. And I do want to mention too, I, I traveled back to the East Coast. I, I went to New Jersey for my best friend's wedding. And then I was in New York for a few days. And so obviously you all know that when we travel, we change astrocartography lines. And honestly, I shouldn't say obviously there because I think astrocartography, it's definitely gotten more awareness and more hype over the last few years, but it is still a very complex topic that doesn't get a lot of nuanced airtime and that's something that I really want to shift and change and provide for all of you but I think really you know what what made me really slam into this full moon after all the quantum momentum that Pluto and Aquarius Pluto retrograde and Aquarius was giving is that I shifted astrocartography lines And for those of you that don't know, I live in LA and LA is right on my moon line and my Chiron line in astrocartography. So LA is a very, very, very deep, healing, emotional place for me to be. It's very hard for me to be surface level here. And I know like LA gets a lot of slack as a city because it can be pretty superficial. But to be honest, like that's just, I haven't met a single superficial person. And part of me wants to like pull that back because it's like, no, I must have met someone. But to be honest, no, like I just my frequency field in L.A. is so deep. And when I meet people, I meet them in their depths. And it's such an amazing experience, but it takes easing in and out of it takes calibrating into and definitely my first few months of living here it was a very hard adjustment of just how much these astrocartography lines of mine make me face my own shit <laughs> for lack of a better word 
And so when I come off of my moon and my Chiron line, when I leave the coast of California, because those run down the entire coast essentially for me, it's always refreshing, right, when I, you know, get to the new destination. And to be honest, I, I forget exactly what my cartography of New York City is, which is hilarious because I lived there for years. Um, but it's a little bit more nuanced. It's not, it's not as potent. It's not as um, clear. It's, it's a little bit more of a, a mix mash of energy, whereas LA or other places in the world for me are so direct and potent. But anyway, so I, I traveled to New York. I'm on new astro cartography lines and I always find that it's the coming back into LA, coming back into my moon and Chiron line that is kind of the hardest transition because it's like, okay, I got to drop into these depths again. And I think at first, not that I resented that, but it, it, it was hard. It was challenging. And I would go to other locations and it would be so lighthearted and so fun. And then I would come back to LA and just be like, oh, is it always going to feel so hard here? But it's really nice to have grown with these astro cartography lines because now when I come back to LA, even before I come back, like I was in New York and honestly, by the second day that I was there, I wasn't there for a long time. I was there for three days, something along those lines, but but a week, essentially away altogether, five days, including the wedding. But by the second day in New York, like I just missed the depth that I have in LA. I missed the time with myself, the journaling, even this being on the mic, talking to you. Like it's a very introspective, healing, uh, etheric experience. And I craved it. But I think it was in trying to integrate back into my moon and my Chiron lines that this Pluto retrograde in Aquarius just smacked me hard. And then, of course, there's the full moon in Sagittarius that is the night I'm recording this. So I feel like it was almost, you know, that's the thing with air sign energy is that at some point we need to ground. And if we don't have a strong relationship with that grounding, it can be... Um, a hard landing, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It makes me funny because I, you know, in traveling out to the East Coast, I obviously was on flights and I normally try to book direct. And I'm not necessarily like a, a bougie flight person. Like I will buy basic economy. Like I'll get the ticket that's like so cheap. You can't change your seat even if you go up and talk to them. And if you even try, they'll yell at you. Like that's normally the type of ticket I buy. But when I'm flying long distances, I do try to fly direct because I really honestly notice the effect that being at such a high altitude has on my body and my digestion and my skin and just my organs. I, and I, don't, I just get so uncomfortable. And so I would rather just have one go of it rather than do it and then come down and then have to do it again. But this time flying out there, I ended up not buying a direct flight, which I will never do again and and um oh where was I going with that I got so to be honest I like I really I like flying because I really just like lock in and I think being unstimulated for that long is so healthy for me and I always get to really deep parts of myself 
but that physical experience of flying is so challenging for me that even just thinking about it like took me somewhere else anyway I remember what I was saying so there I I ended up taking four flights in total throughout the week because it, it wasn't direct and it was so interesting to experience some really masterful landings where it was like did we even touch the ground like that was so smooth to some really quite honestly terrifying landings and I'm just equating that to you know the the air sign energy especially of the transformative planet of Pluto being retrograde in Aquarius it's like there's so much turbulence and so much transformation Aquarius of all the air signs is the one that wants to play ball with the transformation, wants to go out, wants to dig into the edges. And so when it's time to ground, it can be a little bumpy. And I think this Pluto retrograde is especially on my mind because as of June 11th, yeah, June 11th, Pluto will retrograde back into the sign of Capricorn, which is going to be really interesting because that's where it was since 2008 up until March of this year. And then it has been an Aquarius, which has led to a lot of transformation, transformations within tech. I mean, when we look at the whole tech layoffs and rise of chat GPT and, you know, everything that's unfolding in that space, I really equate that to, to Pluto and Aquarius and, and definitely saw it coming with that. But with Pluto retrograding and entering back into Capricorn, I mean, I really think this is when we're going to see some sh- some shifts with the economy, some shocks to the economy. Because if we think about when Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008, obviously that was the 2008 crash and housing, housing bubble um, popping open or whatever, <laughs> whatever the technical term is. <laughs> So with Pluto retrograding back into Capricorn, I do see some shifts that will unfold with the market in June. And then we're going to maybe have to compensate for those shocks for the next year until Pluto enters back into Aquarius in 2024. So with all that to say, I think I'm really, you know, seeing that that transit of Pluto re-entering Capricorn is coming up. I'm kind of really deeply reflecting on what this Pluto retrograde in Aquarius and Aquarius and Pluto Aquarius at large has been for me. And so as you're listening, and thank you for listening. I didn't I knew I needed to do kind of like a just me to you check-in to open this episode, but I didn't realize it would be this extensive. Um <laughs> but as you're listening to me kind of reflect on my experience with Pluto and Aquarius and Pluto specifically retrograde in Aquarius, I encourage you to check in for yourself too. Since May 1st, have you felt quantum shifts? Have you felt this kind of um, highly felt but deeply unknown transformation available to you? Have you felt more connected to your purpose of impact in your calling and how you're here to serve have you felt more connected to what that greater service and calling is going to require of you in order to evolve what what have you tapped into and I think it's 
always helpful to look at your chart and see what house Aquarius rules for you and that will infer a lot of deeper information on the transformation that's at hand and for example Aquarius rules my fourth house of emotions so like hence why this transit is so labor intensive for me the fourth house is emotions it's self-care it's it's feminine energy it's home it's family and I think with Pluto, because it's such a long transit, sometimes it doesn't affect our chart when it transits in such obvious ways as say like Mars or Venus or Mercury or the sun. But I do think it's always powerful to look at your chart and see what is directly being activated. And of course, if you want help, you know, navigating that process, that's why birth chart readings exist. That's why I offer them as a service. I don't think I will ever take that service away because it's just so profound. And there are so many apps out there and so many websites you can go to to better understand your chart and explore it deeper. And I really encourage you to. I mean, like, read as much about your chart as you possibly can as you can get your hands on for free, you know? And there is something to be said about someone who is experted being able to look at your chart and sit with you and intuitively really point you to to parts of your chart you might have overlooked or break down different placements in ways you never would have given yourself the grace to, to see them in. You know, there's something so magical about the the being seen that happens in a birth chart reading. It's not just through your chart, but also from someone holding space for you, really seeing you. It's just, it's one of my favorite things to ever do with clients because being seen on such a direct and compassionate and divinely confirming scale is just the biggest activation. And after birth, birth chart readings recently in the last I don't know, two months or so, I've started doing follow-up sessions after them. And the point of these follow-up sessions is it's like a, on paper, it's a 20-minute conversation, but I don't think I've had a single, single one that has not gone over. Maybe one, but we were potent. We were potent and fast. But in these birth chart reading follow-ups, it's two weeks to a month after you have gotten your reading and we drop in and we're, we check in. Okay, after that massive activation, what in your life has changed? And it has been so cool to hear just how much has absolutely transformed after being able to see yourself and see your path for what it highly and truly is. So you know, just a little plug there for birth chart readings, (laughs) a plug and a love letter for birth chart readings. Okay, let's dive into more of the technical now that I've kind of had that open heart with all of you. Okay, in terms of what happened last week, on May 31st, that was Wednesday, May 31st, Mercury finally left its shadow period after retrograding in the sign of Taurus. And I'm super excited for this transit because I mentioned this on the pod, but 
I have my natal Mercury in Taurus. So this Mercury retrograde was a Mercury return and simultaneous retrograde for me, which is definitely an intense experience around finding your voice, tapping into a deeper level of your voice. And I'm super excited that Mercury left its post-shadow period because if you haven't noticed, the past few weeks on the podcast, I've I've been having an identity crisis with my voice and and how I want this podcast to be formatted and, and what I want the experience for you to be and how... I don't know. I don't know. I need to sit down with it a little bit more now that we are out of the shadow period and I can kind of think clearly, but I'm excited for Mercury to leave its shadow period because it means maybe a few less identity crises with this pod. But aside from my personal experience, in terms of Mercury going direct, or sorry, Mercury entering, exiting its shadow period... the week we are officially like books sealed signed and delivered that retrograde is now complete there's no more work for us to actively do with that retrograde anymore and so it was likely that around wednesday probably tuesday or wednesday there was one final kick up from the retrograde one final reminder of all the things that you have integrated, of all the lessons you've learned, and one final invitation for you to fully step into that. So, you know, think back to last Tuesday or Wednesday and was there any chaos? Was there any discomfort? Was there any um, ungroundedness or a sense of frustration even around these Taurus themes of of our vocation, of our work, of our money, of our sense of comfort. What, what maybe got kicked up for you last week? And that probably relates to Mercury exiting its post-shadow period. But then on Wednesday, this is the transit I actually really want to talk about. On Thursday, June 1st, we had the Jupiter North Node conjunction. And we've had so much with eclipse seasons and just Jupiter entering Taurus. Like, we've just had so much action in Taurus regarding the North Node and Jupiter. As well as there was a new moon in Taurus and there was Mercury retrograde in Taurus. Like, there was just so much in Taurus that... By the time I saw that on June 1st, we had a Jupiter North Node conjunction in the sign of Taurus, I was kind of like in disbelief that we could have yet another round of an activation there around these themes and this part of the chart. And I kind of like, I think part of me feared being a broken record because I think sometimes, you know, of all the slack that astrology gets sometimes, I know one of the things that astrology gets kind of judged or teased for is that there's always something. There's always something, right? There's always some next big thing. And to be honest, yeah, it relates to what I said at the very beginning of this episode that these astrology transits are activations for our evolution and of course there's always something because there's always an invitation for us to evolve 
but I, I think I saw this and I was like, I could not be another broken record. I could not talk about the North Node or Jupiter or Taurus one more time. I was like, what do I even have to say about these things? I feel like I've said it all at this point. We all know that the nodes are shifting out of Taurus and into Aries. And if you don't, I mean, that's exactly why I need to <laughs> not let the, you know, the haters get the best of me. But the North Node, after being in Taurus for a year and a half, is now on its way exiting and going into Aries, which means that we are, we are ending our, our karmic lessons here. And with Jupiter conjunct the North Node, oh my god, this was such a wild, deep, intense experience. So magnified. Jupiter is the magnifier. It is the expanded one. The North Node is our becoming. And so during this Jupiter-North Node conjunction, our, our karmic lessons got expanded And I think I was a little bit frustrated. You know, my human was a little bit frustrated because I'm like, ah, we just had that eclipse in Taurus. Like that was supposed to be our last lesson here before the North Node exited Taurus and went to Aries. That was supposed to be our last shebang. And we go through eclipse season and then along comes this Jupiter-North Node conjunction. And... I think to give it a one-liner, I would just call it an ego death. I would call it an ego death. And think back to last week, specifically Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think by Friday, I had personally started to process some of it. But definitely Wednesday and Thursday, I was going through the ringer. And I'm sure you were too. If you're listening to this podcast and if you're consciously engaged with the cosmos or if you're intuitively connected i mean this was a time of the universe really expanding for us all the karma we've moved and 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 what that really means you know and it it was for me an experience of having such profound clarity drop in and then making a very making very bold choices out of that you know profound clarity I genuinely received and then as soon as I made the decision to then move forward in new ways which it literally is the north node I suddenly was met with the most massive contractions and just questioning everything questioning everything down to the roots which you know it's Taurus right Taurus is diligent if, if Taurus is going to question something, Taurus will diligently question it through. And I feel like with this full moon in Sagittarius, I am just now coming out the other side of it. Like the full moon, I feel, is really helping me to process my emotions around this expansion and, and deep, deep contraction. And I think that's the biggest thing with this Jupiter-North node conjunction is that Yes, Jupiter is the planet of expansions, and yes, the North Node is what we're evolving into, but expansions have contractions, and the North Node has the South Node. And so while the Jupiter North Node is just this ultimate expansion, like I think of all the expansions that could happen in the chart, 
that is up there, definitely in the top three. I might be bold enough to say that is the number one expansion we can experience. And it makes me so frustrated now looking back. I'm like, oh my God, my human was so exhausted by all this work in Taurus that I saw this transit and I just totally overlooked it because I, I personally was done. I was checked out. I was like, oh, I'm so over these eclipses. It's been a year and a half. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm signing out. And now in hindsight, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that is, that is the expansions of all expansions. And I'm, I'm so curious to hear how last week was for you, specifically around Wednesday and Thursday, because, you know, whatever, whatever bold decisions you made on that day or those days or whatever deep clarity you got, like trust it trust it and it's it's natural for you to have gone through a contraction after that massive expansion and really lean into this full moon and Sagittarius to help you move those emotions and come back to a neutralized expanded state a a sustained expanded state okay looking forward into this current week we have the full moon in Sagittarius, as I mentioned, and I won't dive too deep into it because I, I know I broke down the chart a good amount last week in last week's episode. So if you want, you can go back and kind of scrub until you, you find the section where I'm talking about the full moon in Sagittarius. But overall, I mean, the full moon in Sagittarius is one of my favorite full moons, maybe because it rules my second house of work and money and as a Taurus sun like I I love those things and I love to see that part of my chart activated um but I really love full moons and Sagittarius because full moons are expandedness full moons are wild full moons are illumination and Sagittarius is learning illumination adventure wild right so it's just It's this really prolific energy, really prolific energy. And I think with that, I think of all the fire signs, Sagittarius can be the most emotionally connected, which is, you know, beautiful. That's why I think Sagittariuses are such magnetic connectors and and really powerful creators, However, when we have a full moon in Sagittarius, it's it's a lot of fiery, deep emotions. A lot of fiery, deep emotions. And this full moon in Sagittarius is definitely intense. And yet I want to keep going. I want to keep working. I want to I want to keep showing up even though I'm exhausted. I want to keep showing up even though I'm not mentally feeling my healthiest. I want to keep showing up even though I recognize I'm processing a lot of emotions real time. And I think that's just the duality that Sagittarius navigates through. And the the sister sign to Sagittarius is Gemini. So I think that's something that's not spoken about a lot with Sagittarius is that there's actually a lot of duality at play with this energy. And it's not the the cliche duality of twins or of feminine and masculine, but it's the duality of being the student and being the teacher. It's the duality of 
expanding and contracting. It's the duality of feeling deep feelings and wanting to experience big things and not wanting to sacrifice any of those in a given moment. And so if you're feeling any of those complexities in your emotions, just honor it this week and and pace yourself. And I think there will be a level of like continuing to show up that's going to feel really good with this full moon in Sagittarius. I mean, even like earlier today, I went to a friend's birthday party and if it weren't a friend I I really deeply cared about and who I, you know, knew would appreciate my presence. I it was the type of mental health day where I normally would have canceled. If it were any other friend, I probably would have canceled. But I just had this thing in me that was like, okay, I can't cancel on this friend. I don't want to cancel on this friend. And you know what? I actually think it's going to be better for my mental health to go. I know that right now, like typically when I feel this way, I just need to go home and journal and be with myself. But today I actually feel like I need to be around a group and and it's exactly that with this full moon in Sagittarius. It, it's feeling the big feelings, but continuing to just be there and and show up for the for the measured action. So of course, give yourself rest. Like please, 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 please give yourself rest. But I think the biggest rest that's gonna be available with this full moon is gonna be a massive release, a big cry. <laughs> a soulful conversation I can definitely attest to that I was then you know feeling really good at this birthday party and then I left to go do a sound bath at a studio and I'm friends with one of the girls who works at the studio and we were just kind of chatting while everyone was checking in for the sound bath and I was just you know we were talking about the full moon and how full moon feels And through this conversation, she ended up giving me the most incredible validation and confirmation that then offered a massive release. And it was like all the stress and strain from the full moon, like thanks to this conversation, then got released. I felt the energy release. And it wasn't necessarily a big cry, but like it felt very similar in my body in terms of the release. And, you know if you're struggling to rest this full moon seek the release because it's it's ready to it's ready to go okay and i want to share too like i just think it's so fascinating this full moon is in my second house of sagittarius which i mentioned is work is money and i found myself like really really assessing my work and how i want to navigate it day in day out and balance the big picture with also the daily tasks and then I (laughs) was driving the studios in Malibu so it's a bit of a drive and I'm out of data right now which like does that happen to anyone else I feel like I'm the only person in the world that ever like runs out of data on their phone plan my parents have like a really old plan I think but um I I ran out of data so I like couldn't I could only listen to what was downloaded and I only had these two financial podcasts downloaded and I ended up listening to these podcasts all day long while I was driving around and that's just so such a synchronicity with this full moon having had been in my second house. So definitely take a moment and see what house Sagittarius rules for you 
and you know what synchronicities happen to this full moon you know even without your conscious engagement and of course i I know it rules my second house and so I, i want to actively lean into it more and you know as a ritual really apply some of the things i heard in these podcast episodes but it also just the synchronicity like those were the ones that were downloaded those were the ones that were available for me to listen to and I just I love the way that the universe works in that in that way okay and then the last one on Monday June 4th we have Venus entering Leo Venus entering Leo is such a fun transit it's expressive it's extravagant it's luxurious it's bougie it's playful it's colorful I'm really excited to have Venus and Leo and especially because we have Venus retrograde coming up in Leo in July and Venus retrogrades are definitely challenging. They are, you know, times where we reflect and review beauty and abundance and femininity and art and and meaning in our life. But I keep getting this feeling Excuse me, I feel like my stuff stuffy nose is <laughs> getting worse. <laughs> Probably because I've been talking now for 37 minutes straight. But um oh, I'm just taking an exhale around this Venus and Leo retrograde. I really get this feeling that it's going to be honestly a great Venus retrograde. And I think because Leo is already so connected to the arts and to creativity and and playfulness and imagination and essence and, you know, all of these themes. And so when Venus retrogrades in Leo, it's really a big invitation. That's the sense I get. It's a massive invitation. But... I'll, I'll hold the wagon back because we're not there yet. That doesn't happen until July. But um, I will be hosting a um, Venus retrograde intensive, similar to the Mercury retrograde intensives that I host, but a Venus retrograde intensive. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to dive into that astrologically aligned work with all of you. But as Venus enters Leo on monday june 4th just pay attention to your childlike spirit let your childlike spirit be creative i'm i'm in this creative group and we get a challenge every month to kind of nurture and stew our creativity and the the first month i was in it the challenge was every day ask your inner child what they want to do and it's so funny to get the responses like one day it would be like i want to eat strawberries (laughs) or another day it would just be like are we going to go outside? Like, I really want to go outside. And it was just this precious, incredible relationship building that ultimately led to so much beauty in my life because I was then able to, able, then able to tune into that voice and make creative decisions and bold decisions and trusting decisions from that place. But as Venus enters Leo on Monday, just stay connected to that essence and you know, don't be shy about your self-expression and your fashion and your style. It's, it's really an amazing transit to be exuberant 
and, and push your edges there. The last piece I'll touch on because Venus also relates to money. I mentioned earlier in the episode how with Pluto, you know, soon to retrograde into Capricorn, I do expect, you know, we've been having these market stirs. I think there's going to be that, you know, market shock we've all been kind of waiting for um, once Pluto enters Capricorn. And so with Venus entering Leo, like asking yourself, what, what does your inner child need in order to feel safe with money right now? What does your inner child need in order to feel comprehensive around money? What does your inner child need in order to feel like their needs are taken care of financially? And knowing you can't wave a magic wand and fix everything, that's not what I'm saying, but like, can you at least have that dialogue with your inner child? Can you at least check in and you might be surprised of like, oh, I can actually do most of those things. I can actually provide most of those things. It might require I move some things around or maybe I just didn't even know that was actually a need of mine. But as Venus enters Leo, especially since we have that Venus retrograde coming up, just check in with your inner child with money and and, and ask yourself what you need in order to feel safe. So that is what is happening this week in astrology. If you're ready to deepen your astrological practice, absolutely book a birth chart reading. I can't wait to sit down with you and dive into your chart and just see you and align you with the upcoming transits that are really, you know, driving the evolution in your specific chart. And other than that, I will see you next time. Five-star reviews are always ultra appreciated. Share this series with a friend if you're loving it. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.